Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. So I'm now going to talk quite a lot about OpenStreetMap, which uh, is a really uh, exciting open data story in general, um, which I've been dying to tell people at the ODI about. Uh, but I'll start by talking a little bit about typhoons. Um, this is uh, Typhoon Haiyan, seen from the International Space Station. Um, I'm not much of an expert on typhoons. I tend to think of it as a bit like the UK weather we've had lately, but maybe a bit worse. <laughs> um, and, and actually, it is kind of a, a regular weather pattern in this part of the world. Um, so the Philippines is, is here, and you see they get quite hammering in, during their season of typhoons. Um, you can see that um, quite often, though, a, a typhoon will form over the Pacific and uh, not really build up much power, so it will stay, stay sort of blue. Um, and quite often they'll meander off in a different direction so they won't really slam into the, into the coastline and cause a lot of damage. But this line here is Typhoon Haiyan, and you can see that that has really picked up a lot of pace and picked up a lot of power, so it's turning red as it comes over the, over the land, so it's just quite unfortunate timing, just really, in a way. So it's slamming in with quite a speed as well, so bringing a big storm surge. Um, so lots of typhoons, but Typhoon Haiyan was... Uh, actually the, um, the fastest uh, wind speeds on record as it hit land. Biggest storm ever, essentially. Um, so let's just watch a little video of what that looks like. So, yeah, you can see it's kind of uh, bad weather. A bit like the UK. A bit of sound that comes to this as well. You can start to see that storm surge effect which is essentially just the, the force of the wind blowing the, the whole ocean onto the land. The wind's up to 150 miles per hour. Um, possibly slightly more than that. And there's the storm surge. Getting a bit worse now. Getting quite a lot. Oh dear, this is, this is bad news. You can see, that, you can see why uh, 6,000 people were killed by Typhoon Haiyan. Um, particularly the storm surge is quite an unpleasant thing to deal with. So yeah, a lot of uh, devastation, um, lives lost during the disaster. Um, but of course people sort of continue to suffer quite badly after the disaster, in the weeks after the disaster, and, and this is where we really need to come up with an aid response. Um, so aid organisations delivering uh, medical aid, getting hospitals up and running, um, delivering food, sorting out shelter for people, helping people to evacuate in some cases. Um, and all of that is, uh, you know, you, you can donate money directly to giving food to people and this sort of thing, and that's, that's how, the, how the lives are saved. But actually there's a real kind of uh, information and logistics challenge around delivering aid as well. And a lot of the kind of burning questions during a crisis are related to location. Questions beginning with the word where. So where are the people suffering the most? Where could we deliver the aid to? Where are our teams currently posted on the ground? So this is why maps are so valuable as a, as a resource for disaster response. So I'm going to talk about OpenStreetMap, um, which hopefully a lot of you have heard of at least. Um, but hands up, how many people have had a go at editing OpenStreetMap? Wow, quite a lot. That's impressive, actually. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll probably go quite fast through some of these intro slides. In that case, you've all heard of OpenStreetMap. You've all had a go at editing. You're all 
ranked on this on this map, which is showing um, over a million registered users on OpenStreetMap. Um, and that's important because OpenStreetMap is a mass collaboration. It's, the whole idea is to get lots and lots of people involved um, in order to try and map the whole world. Um, and the way we do that as well is by simplifying the editing process. Um, so you're editing a map which is still kind of a GIS system, a geographical information system. You're still dealing with vector, vector data and it's always going to be a little bit complicated. But we try and sort of dumb it down a bit and make it dead easy for, for people to get involved. And that's important for this, this aspect of mass collaboration. Um, so the data model as well is very stripped down, very simple. Everything's made up of nodes and ways. Um, and you put tags on them to, to say what those things are. So a pub, for example, is a, a node with a tag on it. Uh, immunity equals pub. So the other aspect of it is that it's, uh, it's, a, it's a map, of course. You, you view the data as a map on openstreetmap.org. Um, we actually try and play down that aspect of OpenStreetMap a little bit because obviously there are other map providers out there, one beginning with G, for example. Um, but uh, actually, this is quite an important aspect of uh, disaster response mapping, um, particularly the, um, the thing we've achieved with the rapid turnaround and feedback mechanism whereby you make an edit and um, you have to wait about 10 minutes for it to appear on the map itself, um, which is quite a technical feat. Um, there's a, a rendering server based here in London that's got to make its way out to all of the tile caches throughout the world as well. So that aspect of uh, providing a feedback loop um, also means that it kind of becomes a, uh, a shared commons for geodata, so people are chipping in their data and they see other people's data coming in and that kind of re reinforces itself Aid organisations get excited by the, uh, the fact that all of, the, all of them are coming together and sharing their data on the same platform. OpenStreetMap is very much about providing the raw data as well, so I'd say this is a key difference between OpenStreetMap and other map providers, is that we give entirely open access to all of the raw data, uh, including downloading the entire planet of data in a massive bulk download. Um, in terms of uh, humanitarian response, one of the important aspects of that is that you can, you can take the data unencumbered and uh, use it offline, uh, which obviously if you're in an area with no internet connection is pretty important. It is open data, so uh, as I say, there's an exciting open data story about OpenStreetMap, which I won't go into in a lot of detail right now, but uh, in terms of humanitarian stuff... Um, Interestingly, it can be a problem, the fact that we allow commercial use, because a lot of aid organisations are keen to sh share their data, but they don't want to allow commercial use for it. So, yeah, interesting licence fun. Um, so, so, yeah, there's these kind of four aspects which really make OpenStreetMap a powerful platform for mapping in general. And, and of course, the, the mission of OpenStreetMap is to create an open licence map of the entire world. But for humanitarian response as well, these four aspects are very important and uh, actually make an extremely powerful mapping platform. Um, but it wasn't designed for a humanitarian response, it just so happens that it's really good for that. And, and this sort of uh, was discovered almost by accident by a lot of people, um, although people had uh, put forward the theory earlier. But, um, but in uh, Haiti, back in 2010, um, the OpenStreetMap community saw it on the news and uh, checked out OpenStreetMap and, and all came together 
very rapidly in a kind of a snowballing effect and chipping in to build a good detailed map of, of the two cities that were struck worse, Port-au-Prince and Carrefour, uh, and the rest of Haiti as well. But it, it was quite a condensed area of the globe where the disaster happened. Um, so we were able to create this street map. In about 48 hours, that, that was all in place, um, which was then extremely useful for aid organisations. Aid organisations were printing it out and putting it up on their, um, in their tents and, uh, and response centres. Um, people on the web were using it as well, so it, it is a base map that you can embed on your own website in the same way you can with Google Maps. Um, so Ushahidi is this example, actually. So you know, that, that means Ushahidi is that little bit more accurate because people are placing their markers on a good detailed map. Um, but this is my favourite example of... Uh, of use of OpenStreetMap, really. This is a uh, Garmin GPS unit in the hands of somebody who works in search and rescue in Haiti. Um, and this was uh, about a week after the earthquake. They'd found the data, they'd loaded it into their GPS using open source software from the OpenStreetMap ecosystem. And they were using it offline to navigate around and help dig people out of the rubble. So really kind of a... Uh, quintessential use case of the raw data of OpenStreetMap, but also a, a very life-saving thing. And that's actually a quote from the guy who sent the photo. So since uh, Haiti, there's been other disasters, of course. Um, what we found is that uh, compared to Haiti, they haven't always been as well suited to uh, OpenStreetMap really helping out in a big way. Um, Pakistan floods were actually in the same year, massive floods in Pakistan, um, but because they were kind of the entire length of Pakistan, it was a much larger area of the globe to try and map. Um, we couldn't get access to imagery for the whole of Pakistan in, in high resolution, so we couldn't do the kind of detailed mapping that we have done in Haiti. Um, and to some extent, there are maps of Pakistan already, whereas in Haiti, they didn't have very good maps. Um, likewise, for Sen uh, Sendai, of course, is a very developed world location, Japan. Um, but there is also there is there is always a purpose behind uh, contributing to maps in these areas. So, uh, for example, in Sendai, um, of course you can get hold of free maps of Sendai. Um, of course you can get hold of very detailed maps from a mapping agency if you're um, if you're a disaster responder. But can you get hold of openly available maps that have just been updated with the with the damaged area showing like that? So. Even in, even in these disasters where it's not as uh, as powerful, it's it's still worth contributing. So since Haiti as well, we've um, we formed the humanitarian OpenStreetMap team and uh, worked on various tools and processes. Um, one of the things that I think is really quite interesting is this thing called the Tasking Manager. Um, so this is trying to tackle the problem that. When new people come to contribute to OpenStreetMap, they don't really know where to start. They don't know where to uh, dive in and edit because they, and you can easily look at a part of the map that's already mapped by somebody else. Um, and it's a way of uh, coordinating as well, getting everyone to cover an entire large area. So it, it's, it's a basic idea. Drop, drop a grid over the map, get people to acquire a, a square, and then you load the square into your OpenStreetMap editing software and then click Done when you're finished. Um, and this came into its own, actually, for the Philippines uh, typhoon response. So these are different jobs that we've created within the tasking manager, so different grids that we've dropped over different parts of the map. 
Um, sometimes because uh, we've had a request from an aid, aid agency for, for particular data. Sometimes because um, we've got access to imagery in a particular area. So a lot of these have got special imagery associated with them. So here's another map visualization type thing. Um, this, this is uh, showing all the actual bounding boxes around the changes that happened during the uh, typhoon response. Um, this is a brand new thing which I made last night for you. Seen here first. This is uh, a visualization of um, the kind of editing traffic. So um, you can see each day use the number of users involved. So you can see we got up to almost 300 users involved on one particular day, um, and the number of changes um, going up to sort of over 40,000 uh, of these ways and nodes touched by people editing. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I mean, you can see that there's a, a peak in the interest that people have in uh, contributing to OpenStreetMap, which uh, corresponds very well to the peak in general interest that people have in the disaster, so the coverage that's appeared on TV and this sort of thing. Although um, I was quite gratified to see that we seem to have a slightly longer attention span <laughs> than the rest of the internet. Um, but, but I also think it's quite interesting that, in a way, having that spike over to the left of the graph here is, is good, and we need to shift it further over to the left, because the earlier we can respond after a disaster, the better. Um, because, obviously, aid agencies may be taking a snapshot of our data and trying to use it here. And, you know, we haven't finished building the map properly yet at that point. So here's a graph showing um, new users. So this is kind of interesting as well. So um, new users is the um, people who appear to have registered with OpenStreetMap uh, during the time of the disaster response. So they may not have registered because they were doing typhoon response, but they it seems likely they did. That's the green line. Um, so you can see that the, uh, the old timers, the, the people who uh, were registered beforehand anyway, have kind of, um, they're, they're the, the ones who've come in early and responded fairly quickly. Um, and the new users are the ones perhaps that have been along to events where we've trained people to contribute. Um, we have a uh, humanitarian mapping style, so uh, the default map that you see on OpenStreetMap.org isn't the only view of the map. This is this is especially created to represent humanitarian aspects of the map. And during the typhoon response, we tweaked it slightly. Can't really see the colours very well here, actually, but it, it's actually showing um, a red outline around buildings which appear to be damaged. So that's that's getting mappers to look at post-disaster imagery and assess whether a building looks like it's been swept away by the wind. So all of that data goes into the, into the OpenStreetMap database and this, this particular rending make, makes use of it. Um, so here's some other examples of the data getting used. Um, <coughs> used for map posters actually it seems to be a popular use for uh, aid agencies. So uh, they, uh, they fly out there with, with a sort of... Uh, cardboard roll full of uh, map posters and uh, apparently that's very popular when they turn up in a, in a disaster response centre and pin up these open street map maps. Um, so in particular I'd say the, uh, the Red Cross were getting involved in this in a big way so they were um, here in the UK they actually have an office just down the road in Moorgate where they actually had a desk full of people using the tasking manager there and contributing to OpenStreetMap because they wanted to improve the uh, 
the, the map printouts that they were getting. So that's a really nice kind of uh, reinforcing of the, of the process that happens anyway. They were using all the same tools that the community uses to uh, contribute to the map. So that's it. There's, uh, there's many ways to help um, OpenStreetMap. Um, slightly confusing array of different ways of helping in a way. Obviously, you can, uh, you can donate money to the humanitarian OpenStreetMap team. Um, we, uh, we do struggle with funding a little bit, so if anyone has any ideas for how to raise money for HOT, it would be great. Um, likewise, you can donate to the OpenStreetMap Foundation, which is the, the general OpenStreetMap project, um, helping with server hosting costs and that sort of thing. Um, but there's many different ways of uh, chipping in and helping, a lot of kind of communication type things, a lot of uh, very technical stuff as well, so software development, and people just using the data, so if you can use OpenStreetMap on your website, then that all helps to reinforce the process of getting more people chipping <coughs> in. But I would say, though, that there's kind of a gateway skill to all of these things, which is the bottom one, learn to map, so learn to edit OpenStreetMap. Um, you, you can always understand the data better if you had a go at chipping in a little bit yourself. So I'd encourage everyone to have a go at editing but everyone put their hands up earlier, so I don't need to say that, do I? Thank you very much. You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture, brought to you by the Open Data Institute.